So hi, I'm Jess, and welcome to another episode of Dose of Pharma. Today we are joined by Jasleen and Basima, who are pharmacy students at the University of British Columbia, and we will be debunking social media health myths. To begin, would you each be able to tell us a bit about yourselves? Let's start with Basima. Hi, I'm Basima. I'm a second year pharmacy student currently going into third year in September. Uh, we created this page just so we can uh, debunk myths and just share fun facts and general information about vitamins and everything health related. On my spare time, I like to travel, read books and do shopping. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah, I didn't mention in my brief introduction that, yeah, Jasleen and Basima run an Instagram called the RX Daily Dose. Uh, definitely everybody listening should go check out that has lots of really informative posts about like a lot of health myths and health in general and pharmacy. So Jasleen, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Jasleen and I'm also a pharmacy student. I'm currently finished my second year and going into third year. Um, I share and run the page with Basima, the RX Daily Dose. And in my free time, I also like to travel, read books or hang out with friends. So how has social media influenced the way in which the public like interacts with health professionals and the scope of like their health concerns? So we believe that social media, social media positively influences how the public interacts with their healthcare professionals. Um, and that's in terms of empowering the patients and their participation in decision making for their health. So healthcare professionals communicating on social media is powerful because it helps our patients learn more, helps to display what our profession does, and also helps to elevate our profession. Um, it even adds to the knowledge of others in the field. So for example, if we post about something that other pharmacists may not remember from school, it adds to their knowledge base and then vice versa. Um, and generally healthcare professionals don't like making decisions for their patients, but most patients don't know about their health and their diseases. So they rely on nurses, pharmacists, or doctors to make those decisions. By going on social media and presenting different diseases and disease states, it helps to put the disease for the patient in a new light and puts them in the shoes to make decisions for themselves. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a beneficial thing and very useful for the general public to be more aware of. Yeah, and there is like a lot of misconceptions around like what a pharmacist does and how much knowledge they have. They aren't just like reading the thing, go out the back, grab the drug and hand it over. Like there is a whole knowledge bank there that a lot of people don't realise and don't understand. Yeah, and we want to use our page to help elevate the profession so that others can also understand what pharmacists do in the background. Yeah, that seems like a really great goal of the page and it sounds like very informative. I've definitely looked through it like a few times I'm following and I, I just love seeing like all the posts and I learned so much from it. Thank you. So one of like the focuses on um, social media a lot is food and there's lots of trends such as what I eat in a day videos and different diets and lifestyles. Do you know if any of these diets have like scientific merit or if these people are just coming up with whatever they want and giving that to the public? Like, is there any misconceptions around food on social media? Um, yeah, so in terms of scientific merit, diets are really difficult to study because you can't really control what the participants eat on a day-to-day -day basis for like a long period of time. 
So people often experiment with diets and see what works for them personally. But in terms of what I eat in a day videos, um, I think those are generally directed more towards being something to watch or to learn like a new recipe from rather than starting a new trend for a diet. Um, so there are certain diets that do work for specific populations, but that generally doesn't mean that it will work for everyone. So for example, like a low calorie or a calorie deficit diet may work for patients with diabetes, um, but those have to be monitored by a healthcare professional, such as like a nurse or a doctor or pharmacist. I'll direct my next question at you then, Basima. So influence of promoted beauty trends, such as like hair and nail supplements, are also another growing presence on social media. Do these have any scientific evidence to support them? Uh, so these are pretty much booming everywhere on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, but there is little to no evidence to support that these hair or nail daily beauty supplements work. Uh, most people get enough of their required nutritional needs through diet, but in rare cases, a medical problem can cause a deficiency that affects the hair, the nails, or the skin. So if somebody is experiencing chronic hair, nail, or skin problems for no clear reason, then it's best to talk with your pharmacist, nurse, or doctor uh, to determine whether it is a nutritional deficit through like a blood test. Um, then if they are deficient in it, then a supplement would be recommended. Um, but there are, there are risks of taking a supplement and being over supplemented, which would be like vitamin A. Over supplementing vitamin A can actually trigger hair loss. So it's just something to watch out for. Um, there are like several lifestyles changes that people can do to ensure that they are getting the correct nutritional like balance that they need to have, um, such as getting enough protein, um, protecting yourself from the sun, having adequate water intake, changing your linens bi-weekly, stuff like that. Yeah, that's a trend that I definitely think is great at the moment is the obsession with sunscreen. How I see all over social media, everybody's like, you've got to wear sunscreen, you've got to put it on all the time. And I just think that's like fantastic. The next um, myth that I want to ask about, is there any merit to the promotion of clean beauty trends and concerns around chemicals in skincare? Like often in hair care, I hear a lot of the time about different ingredients in like shampoos and conditioners that are meant to be really bad and you should avoid. And there's a whole list, like a mile long being like, don't use any of these. Um, is there any merit to any of that? Or are these necessary in some like formulations? Oh, it's a really good question. This is something that Jocelyn and I get asked a lot about by just like our friends and family. So if we look at clean products in relation to ingredients, particularly in like clean beauty, um, things like sulfates, which are essential because they're surfactants, which make products lather up and cleanse skin and hair. Um, synthetic preservatives like parabens, they're essential for preventing hard, harmful mold and bacteria from growing inside products. And then fragrances are deemed toxic. So they're set to make up the majority of affordable high street beauty products, but there isn't really any reason to fear any of these ingredients at all. So chemicals have a bad reputation in general. It's disturbing to see long names on product labels, which we can't pronounce, um, as opposed to something more simpler or plant-based ingredient. However, everything is a chemical, even water is a chemical. So the thing that makes it harmful is the dose. So many things are harmless to us in low doses, as found in our shampoos and our skincare and food, um, such as formaldehyde, which is found in apples, but at a low dose, which we obviously know apples are not harmful to us. Yeah, the idea of chemicals is definitely like intimidating for just the general population. 
who don't quite understand that a lot of these are necessary and yeah, everything depends on how much is in there. Do those formulations that don't use these chemicals, do they still work as effectively or it's because they're missing that, that they might not like lab wrap as well and they might not be as effective as a product? Exactly. So that's where like the whole like balance comes in. Sometimes people think if my shampoo doesn't lather because there is no like preservatives or surfactants in it, then it's not doing a good job. It's not cleaning my hair. But some people think that if it doesn't lather, it equally cleanses it. But it's also the difference between people who have like an oily scalp, something that lathers would obviously dry it out more than someone who has a drier scalp. So that's the whole like balance between that. Jasmine, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, so generally, like, I would have the same thoughts on the topic. Um, just because there's no chemicals or because there is chemicals wouldn't necessarily mean that a product works or doesn't work. That would definitely be up to the person themselves. Or, for example, if it was a medication, if it had a certain ingredient or not a certain ingredient, um, it would be based on evidence. And that goes same thing for, like, skincare. Generally, it's based on evidence. So if it has a certain ingredient and we have the evidence to support that it works, works even if it's not a chemical ingredient then of course it works right yeah definitely so why do you think consumers of social media are like likely to believe these health myths there's just so much information out there that if somebody sees something that is eye-catching or like someone who's an influencer a public figure promotes it then they're more likely to believe it just like we've seen with the whole pandemic and coronavirus there's been a lot of misinformation and that's just sometimes because there was too little information. So somebody would say something, it would flourish during through like emails or like a group chat. And then it just gets continued on like more misinformation. The more people believe it, it kind of creates like a big group of people that just continue getting added to it. Yeah. And that definitely like must make it difficult with things like how we talked about the diet and how that is hard to study. And therefore there's a lack of information out there. So people just kind of can say, whatever they want and it's hard to have the evidence not to support that just because there's the lack of information there or you have the other way where you have so much information it's overwhelming and it's hard to yeah, dissect yeah exactly um do you guys have a health myth that you just like if there was one health myth you could like instantly bust for everyone in the world and everybody would stop believing it what would that be there's some really good ones that we've done on our page. Maybe like a main one would be um, stopping your antibiotics early just because like throughout the world, it's such a big problem, like antibiotic resistance. People think that once they feel better, they should just stop taking their antibiotics, which is a big no. Yeah, that's that's a really big one. That's the one that got the most international attention as well. Just because um, back in Canada, we say that we only give antibiotics to someone who we test has the bacteria, but in various other countries, people were like, we give antibiotics for a headache and then it creates the antibiotic resistance. So I think that would be one of the big myth busting things that we did on our page. Yeah, that's definitely a very relevant myth and a very big problem at the moment. So that would be yeah. a big benefit if people could understand how to comply yeah. with using antibiotics properly. Yeah, so myth busting, the biggest myth would be like antibiotics are not used for everything. So to wrap it up, do you guys have any advice for our listeners on how they can look out for health myths and make sure that they aren't misinformed? 
Yeah, so some advice that we can give is that when you're looking at health information anywhere online, um, just make sure that you are looking at resources and what resources the page has used because not all the information is going to be correct. Maybe Basima can add one more thing onto that. Um, yeah, and sometimes there are some posts with no references, which is totally fine. I just have to check if they're a reputable source, such as like government run pages. Those are good places to get your facts from. Um, but in general, everybody can be a victim of false information. So it's just because there's so much out there. You just have to resources and check the site. And yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's great advice that everyone should take on board just to like look after their own health a bit better and to be better informed. So thank you both so much for joining me today and helping bust these health myths. Definitely learnt a lot and will go away to apply those to my life and make sure that I'm yeah the healthiest I can be with those kind of things and more aware of using social media. So thank you guys. Thank you for having us today. So everybody listening, make sure you go follow Jessalyn and Vasima on Instagram and TikTok at the RX Daily Dose. Dose of Pharma acknowledges the traditional custodians of the various lands throughout Australia on which we connect today and pays respect to elders past, present and future.